Sunji, hi everyone. You're listening to the Topical City Podcast. Your place for all things Manchester City, whether that be topical, typical, hypocritical, or more than likely complete and utter dribble. I'm Richard, and I'll be your host for this week's inaugural pod, but I will be taking that in turn with the other Etty lads each week. Speaking of which, let me introduce them to you now. Firstly, in the sky blue corner, he's worked behind a bar, he's worked for bar, and now he's looking to raise the bar in the podcasting world. It's Jimmy Thursday. How are you, James? I'm good, mate. Thank you for that intro. I'm going to have some uh, big welcome. shoes to fill when, uh, when I'm taking a turn hosting now. I don't I'm want sure to hear <laughs> Yours is actually really odd, and I had to double-check the terminology on this game to see if it stood up to scrutiny, but Google says that it does anyway. Okay. So, uh, secondly, in the laser blue corner, he's left-footed, left-handed, and with all the stats that he's got to hand he's, and he's about to about us with, he's left-brained as well. It's Cam, the man, City fan. You all right, Cam? What was the part you had to check on Google whether I was left-handed? <laughs> <laughs> left-brained <laughs> i was like is that a thing i think it is <laughs> it's a good job i've got no stats for this episode isn't it? <laughs> oh dear well we'll tell everyone everyone who's listening anyway a little bit about who we are and why we're doing this so basically we're just three mates who miss going to the games miss watching the matches with our friends in the pub and more importantly, miss forcing other people to listen to what we have to say. So what better way to remedy that than with a podcast? So we haven't really got a proper set format for things just yet. So we're going to kick things off and see how we go. And where better to start, lads, than the Premier League table? Manchester City top of the league. Seven points over Manchester United, who are in joint second, as they like to say, with Leicester City. But City also have a game in hand, which gets resolved this Wednesday. It's 11 wins in a row in the league, 16 wins in a row in all competitions. So, guys, is the title race over? Yes. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it is. I think it is now. I think the way the squad's performing, that, you know, teams of the past, it might have been that you were relying on one particular player dragging you through. I think our whole squad is performing exceptionally well. And because of that, it would take a lot of players to seriously drop off for there to be such an impact that we drop the required points for someone to catch us. I'm pretty safe, and it's not over till, it, till it's over, is it? Like, I know we're, we're seven points clear with a game in hand, but it's not. Again, Liverpool went from 0-0 straight away because of a couple of centre-back injuries, and that's all it takes for us as well. I'm, I'm more confident than I was at the start of the season or two months ago. But I, I can't say that I'm breaking out the banners just yet. So do you see anybody catching City then, Cam? See, no. <laughs> still <laughs> still the, 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 the pessimist in me is saying anybody from the pessimist in me is saying that because it's City, Sheffield United could pull up a light run. And, and and that would be impressive, through. yeah. But, um, Nobody can catch us, but we're still not definitely going to win it. How about that? <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I, I do side with Cam on this. I don't think that it's over yet. I, I reckon that we've got a big game against United coming up within the next month. And 
if we beat them in that, then I think pretty much everyone. We can start using those fireworks that we supposedly spent <laughs> about 100 million on a couple of seasons ago when we were going to batter them then. But uh, let's take a look then over the last City game, which of course was the impressive 3-0 win over Spurs. But before we do that, I'm going to take you guys back in time. It's the 21st of November 2020. A second lockdown looms and City have just been beaten by Spurs and lie in mid-table, eight points off the top. Did any of you think that City were out of the title race that early on? I just ask, why have you taken us back in time to them? Why not? A nicer time. Why, why do we have to go to them? <laughs> I feel this that is a bit more apt. Why don't you just take me back? Take me back to just take me back in time to, to uh... when we got knocked out of the Champions League and then we were about to kill ourselves in the flower and flag. And how about that? Can we just go that far? <laughs> I'm more than happy to relive that with you again if you want, but I think I'll need a stronger drink. <laughs> um, I wasn't confident they Spurs in it, and, and you know. They do feel like our bogey team after time. Um, even going back as far as I still remember, we went to Disneyland in like um, 2005 or 2006 or something, and we lost against Spurs then. And that's my barometer for Spurs <laughs> while I was away. That's my barometer for Spurs games from now on. So I'm never confident just because no matter how shit Spurs could be, they'll, they've always got a Fernando Lorente on ball in them, or, or they've got something in them that'll trip us up. Uh, having said that, again, yeah, another paradox. I was slightly confident, and, and like and I predicted to you guys that we would win, however close it was. But I don't think you can ever be confident against Spurs or Mourinho, to be honest. So you, so was that back then, or was that for this most recent match, Cam? This this most recent match, like yeah, yeah. I, I'm never confident against Spurs because they can always throw some up at you. Cam didn't go back in time. He refused to, wow. to go with us, James. But, but me and you were there. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, you... I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take the bullet on that one. And yeah, that's when pessimistic City fan kicked back in. You know, we've been following them for far too long now to just know them when they were good. And you kind of think, oh, is this, is this our time? And the spotlight up a little bit. Are we going to be going back to, you know, mid-table? Is this is this the end of the, the good times? Everything just goes to pop, doesn't it? As soon as City lose a few games and, you know, people are doubting Pep, people are saying, should he sign a new contract? I won't go down that avenue, but I did think that if we got top four at that point, I'd have been happy and just got the season out of the way. Yeah, I don't think you were wrong in that as well. Like the, the problems that City had at, the, at that time, they were problems that we'd had for over a year. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was City fans reacting to the bad season that we'd had. It was reacting to the previous bad season that we had and all of the <laughs> problems that we were still ongoing with. So Cam had a bit of a struggle about whether we'd win ahead of this game. Did you feel the same way, James? Yeah, I, I think I, I was pessimistic. Um, you know, like like we've touched on already, the, the typical City thing comes back in and... I saw Diaz being out and there's enough of a reason to panic a little bit, even though the replacement is Laporte. And, you know, we've got scars, haven't we, from when we've played Spurs. And I think especially that front two and Mourinho, there's just, there's always something to be written there. And we've spoken about uh, Son Young-Min in the past and outside of the, the City team, he's probably my favourite player in the league. And I just feel like 
he always bags against us. So I just I just expecting that to happen. I think he's done like five in the last five against us. Yeah, and they they got off to a good start to be fair, Spurs as well. Um mm. obviously Harry Kane with the the wee little dive there out just outside the penalty area to get him a free kick and it came back in off the off, came back off the post. Were you worried at all at that point that this is this is the way that things are gonna go with this? We are gonna just get hit like repeatedly as we have done by him in the past. Um, no, I wasn't because I didn't think we started that badly. I think we seemed really confident despite Spurs having that chance. Um, you know, there's often this possession for possession's sake with a lot of teams in the league, but I felt like we were we were going somewhere with it, and then obviously they were always going to break and try and do something. It just happened to be that it was that free kick from Kane. Well, we'll run through like some of the highlights of the games then. And I think like the, the big one for City straight away was the penalty. Cam, was that a foul on Gundogan, do you reckon? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was an intentional foul, but it, it was a foul that it was deserving of a penalty. I thought Heiberg might have been more of a presence in the match, but it, he was just, apart from that, that, that was his mark left that he decided to, to just stay out of the game from then on. He did have a big effect on the game, to be fair. <laughs> Not in the way that he would have hoped. You know, though, with that foul, I think it would have still been a foul anyway. But Gundal just fucked up a piece of skill, didn't he? And missed the ball. And I wonder if that had an impact on Heiberg's tackle. Yeah, I reckon so. So, it's a penalty. <laughs> Rodri steps up. What were you guys thinking? Because I... I couldn't watch the game live, so I was kind of paying attention on my phone notifications. And as soon as he like stepped up, I started getting all of the notifications through on WhatsApp. It's fucking Rodri. <laughs> <laughs> then, it, then apparently on Sky, you had them wondering whether because Edison had walked up to the center of the pitch to mm-hmm. offer a bit of advice, apparently on on which way he should go. Bernardo being the messenger there. They thought that Edison was going to take the, the penalty. Was that actually a thing? Or I, I don't fully believe what they said. It definitely looked like Bernardo was pushing it back, <laughs> like he yeah, was getting yeah, ready yeah. to take it. But at Bernardo the same time, pushing him away. He he gave up pretty quickly. So if he wanted to get past Bernardo, he got past him. <laughs> Let's face it, he didn't put That's... much of it. <laughs> hmm. I mean, I'd rather Rodri took it than Edison, to be fair. Like, we all want to see Edison take a penalty, but not nil-nil against Spurs, we don't. Um, <laughs> so, but at the same time, Rod- Rodri's not too outside the box as a choice. He can blast it with the best of them. Um, I wouldn't want him to take one again, <laughs> I'll tell you that, because that, that was an awful penalty. Um, but I, I could see the, the thinking of letting him have a go at one. Um, just, uh, just want us to see how he handles it, but just never let him do it again, please. I was actually really surprised at his delivery for that penalty because when you see him hit balls from like, well, usually outside of the area, but it's always a thunder bastard, like trying to get it into the top corner and it's nearly come off a few times this season. So I thought like when I'd heard that it had gone in, oh, that's top bins, I reckon. And he'll be taking them from now on. But then you see the replay back and he's pretty fucking lucky that Lloris was as bad as he was. He said he went against advice as well, didn't he? Like he, he was supposed to blast it what, top left or, or top right or something and, and just didn't listen to it and went bottom left. 
So, uh, yeah, I don't. Maybe want to that's why. Then, if, if he gets a conflicted message in his ear at the last minute about like, oh, you should, you should go here. Like maybe that's what's put him off a little bit. To be fair, Edison should probably just mind his own business if he's not going to bulldoze his way through and and take it. <laughs> so we want to be really positive in in this podcast because it isn't called the Cynical City Podcast. So I don't want to. You nearly you told me that before. I was saying I never want Rodney to take a penalty. <laughs> so I don't want to go off on on one too much, but it's pretty bad that we're the best team in the Premier League right now and, and have been for the last decade, how do you get to a point where you don't have a set penalty taker and you get to a point where if, if a guy misses one penalty, that's it, he's done. And we just, we just move on to the next guy. Like, surely this isn't the best way to arrange the order in which people take penalties. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with what you're saying there. We... Aguero was penalty taken for the longest time till he missed like three in a row or something. And then we chopped and changed. And then De Bruyne took the last, you know, two or three till he's been injured. So we are trying to settle, but every time we find one that does better than the average, they get injured or they, they go into a bad run of course. We've got to pick somebody else. Um, so I, I don't know if we're in a position where we're just chopping and changing till somebody misses. It's just circumstances and poor form on the penalties has led us to having to do that. The other thing with that is that there's so much rotation in the team as well that, you know, if a penalty comes in the 75th minute of a midweek game, you might not have your penalty taker on the pitch because he might have played at the weekend and been subbed off or he's been saved. And it's not like we put the same 11 out every week. I get that in theory, but in practice, Gundogan took the last penalty and I know he missed it, but he t- he when De Bruyne or Aguero isn't on the pitch, he's commonly one of our more recognised penalty takers. And you'd think that a guy who's had as much confidence in himself and clearly does in front of goal wouldn't be deterred by missing a penalty against the Scousers that he wouldn't, or he wouldn't take the opportunity to to bag another one here. Like it, it was pretty shocking to me because I think that there's quite a lot of players that we've got in our forward line who haven't really stepped up since Aguero has been injured and it's taken someone like Gundogan to proper take a hold of the team by the scruff of the neck and like, and really be that as prolific as he has been in front of goal. And to but the fact that there isn't anybody in that forward line that doesn't want to stat pad and take penalties and make sure that they meet their target for so many goals in a season. Like we should be in massively high confidence now, regardless of the penalties that have been missed. Do you not think that, Foden or Sterling or any of the other forward lads who were on the pitch should be stepping up to the plate before Rodri. Yeah, I do think that. Um, it seems to be that it's by committee rather than Pep picking the penalty taker. And it might be that there isn't someone that's grabbing the ball, like you're saying, going, I want this. And that might be due to squad dynamics or maybe lack of confidence. Um, all I know is that I don't want Sterling ever taking a penalty again. Um, I'm surprised Foden's not had a go I thought it was quite refreshing that Rodri had a go I think he was just trying to get it on target I think normally you would see him smash it you know there's some technically very good players in there even the likes of Zinchenko and Cancelo they can hit a ball Um, and they're not just defenders they're great footballers as well to be fair every one of the 11 should be able to put that ball in the back of the net and I'm talking down to John yeah 
Mm-hmm. And Edison, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, Zinchenko would be my, my choice for the next mm-hmm. one. He's, he's well, up for anything, isn't he? He'll, he'll have a try at yeah, anything, yeah. so just let him, let him do it. Why not? It, I mean, we're going through it the is, whole team at this rate, so why not? It is strange that for, like, I, I think it is more down to Pep than people think, and, it, and it's not. I think it, you know, he likes to tinker with stuff, and he's not tinkered with the lineup or the way it's set up in ages. So maybe he's, he's tinkering with the penalties just out of habit. Um, but it is, <laughs> it is really strange. I definitely want to tinker, so I'm going yeah, no. with this. Yeah. <laughs> it is really strange that Phil Foden's not had one yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You would think he'd be up there ahead of Rodri or before Edison gets a go. You think Foden would be in the running for it. And it's weird that he's not, all I can think is he's not up for it. But the way he plays and the way he, he, he does play every game. It's strange that he wouldn't be up for it. Yeah, as long as they get it sorted soon. I mean, we have we slagged him off quite a lot, but at the end of the day, the penalty went in. It's 1-0 to City going into the second half. And then in the second half, it just seems like City took it up a notch. They started breaking Tottenham down the same way they have done with every other team. Like quick movement into the box, ending with Gundogan slowing, uh, slotting home. Anything you, that you want to say about the first goal, either of you? I think it's down to it was one change that he made for me, and it was swapping Sterling and Foden around, putting Sterling yeah. on the right because Ben Davies just could not handle um, Sterling running at him. Sterling's running to the box where he skipped past four people and still managed to keep the ball. It, it just showed that he, it that was what changed the game for me was just was just Sterling being able to to do what he wanted to Ben Davies. And, and just set up as much as he wanted. And then especially that assist for the Gondwan goal. It, yeah. it, said it, was a, it was the Sterling show for me in the second half. It was really smart of him, wasn't it? Because Foden makes that run first and he chooses to wait until, like, let the, that defender move and create a bit of space so that he can then put the pass through to Gundogan. What did you think of the second goal, Jim? I think it was poor keeping from uh, Lloris. He should be saving that. He's a World Cup winner. But at the same time, like you say, that doesn't take anything away from how great Sterling was. And I think he was the same throughout the game. He made that run four or five times in the game. And it's like he's remembered that he can run at people, which I feel like he's yeah. run for a good while. Or tactically, we weren't doing that. But the guy's got quick feet. He's rapid. He can turn on a 5P. And we'd stopped doing that. And now we suddenly started doing it again. Defenders are backpedaling. They don't know where to go. Then you've got the midfield runners, like you say, that had stopped. But now you've got Gondo and you've got Phil running in. You've got Bernardo running in as well. The defenders just don't know where to go. And it's brilliant to see. He really did have cat flap hands yesterday, the other day, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Like, it, was, it was insane. Both, go- both of the first goals he, he could have done yeah. something about and just had nothing in his hands. Well, he couldn't do anything about the third goal. Where do you guys want to start with this? Because it, there's a lot going on. <laughs> Edison just looked so happy, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> that he, was, he was smiling so much. It was was so he nice cheering to, to Pep on the touchline, do you think? when he Joey, he does like the fist in the air, doesn't he? Like the referee in a boxing match is holding his hands up like, and the winner. <laughs> I think he just doesn't know how to celebrate because he never needs to, does he? Yeah. <laughs> rip, rip the posts out of the ground. Was that his first Premier League assist? No, he assisted Aguero, sure. Against Huddersfield, right? I've got a feeling that that was um, Murich. That could have been. I thought I was out of the I'm, game. I'm not too sure. 
But oh, I might be thinking of the Arsenal one there. Wasn't that in Do the you remember top? when the ball goes over the top and yeah, that was in the um, cup final, weren't it? Was yeah, that yeah. Bravo. Oh yeah, that could have been actually. Because I was, I was. I'll one. edit all of this out if we're wrong. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Typical. I seem to remember him doing another one uh, at the very least. I'm sure I read a stat somewhere that he's got two. But yeah, I think I read that as well. Anyway, more that, than zero is great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that run in behind the defence from Gundogan was just perfectly timed. It, it feels like he's got that down to a T now, so mm. much so that that the funniest fucking thing I've seen in a long time is <laughs> Sanchez. <laughs> Do you remember that um, for England when John Terry did that like salmon yeah. dive <laughs> to stop the ball? Like the, that was heroic and like should be long in the memory of England fans. One of the good things that John Terry is actually remembered for. But San- <laughs> Sanchez there. <laughs> It was the bubble it's... at the end, wasn't it? it was, <laughs> when he was fully down on the ground and flat, it was the final bobble of the end to try and get anything to it. Bless him. And if you think about it, it's I suppose it's showing commitment that he's trying desperately <laughs> to get anything to block it. And that would have hurt. Like if he if he'd have blocked that from such close distance, that'd that'd have been a concussion sub, I reckon. The forcefulness of the impact of when, like, because it looks like he's going, he's going down, and he re- reaches the ground about like half a second earlier than he would have done if he just let him fall because he throws his head into the <laughs> into the grass. It's just so good. So some of the other uh, players that are worth talking about in the game there, uh, James, you had your eye on Laporte. Well, he was a talking point, wasn't he? Because he'd come in for Diaz, who's been pretty much flawless. And the big question was, is this team so solid defensively because of Diaz or is it the whole group collectively? Is it John Stones? What's the impact of Laporte there? Um, and then the extra sort of narrative that the the last game where you really, really fucked up was the reverse fixture. And it seemed Pep yeah. had a bit of an issue and pulled him out after that. I don't think he was, I don't think it was his finest game, but I think it was an important game for him to get through. So like he had that early, well, subjective foul on Kane which led to the free kick and him hitting the post I remember thinking last time we played Spurs that I don't know if it's a sign of him being nervous but he tends to go really tight on Kane and that's yeah. just feeding into him completely because Kane will go down at the touch Laporte tends to go into his back a lot I felt he, he had to get this game under his belt and he just had to get over it and then he can move on from it but he did that didn't really cost anything, didn't really fuck up or anything like that. So I'm I'm just happy he got through it. I think it's worth mentioning as well the effects that it had on Stones in that you could very easily think that Diaz is the reason Stones is performing so well. How would he react without mm-hmm. Diaz next to it against two elite forwards? Mm-hmm. And again there was nobody put a foot wrong. It's been brilliant. Uh, so I think it's nice to see that even if God forbid Diaz is out for any length of time. We do have, again, two centre-backs, possibly Ake as well, that we can rely on, that we don't have to have somebody of Diaz's stature in the back line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we won't see Fernandinho back there again anytime soon. Not <laughs> big man Garcia. Uh, uh, for now. <laughs> do you reckon that that, um, that foul on Kane then by Laporte is, is making a mistake like that enough to lose your place in the side? Mm-hmm. Oh, it looks soft. 
it, it looked like a soft. Uh, it looked like Kane just pushing for something, and you can't really put. He was getting tight to his man, and he wasn't offering him a way around him. What more do you want from your defender? You can't help if Kane decides to go down. I think there's an argument there that you need to be smarter as well, though, that you know Kane's going to do that. In the same way that Diaz should have been smarter with Salah last week. But uh, what do you do? Do you, do you back off him and well, give you, him if a you potential look, shot? If you look how Stones has been playing in recent weeks, he's not actually, correct me if I'm wrong here, not making a lot of tackles. He's really ushering and guiding people around the pitch and it's allowing the reinforcements to get back in. And he's controlling the attacker. Laporte could have done the same, but he actually swung his left foot round to try and win the ball. He did catch Kane, not enough for him to go down like he'd been shot, as usual. Um, but I, I maybe think he could have been a little bit smarter with it. But to answer your question, Richard, no, I don't think that's enough for him to be pulled out of the team again because, you know, that's like saying a striker gets pulled out every time they don't score a goal. Or someone gets taken off penalties every time they don't <laughs> score. I think you're right, James, in that with most players, I think with Kane, you can't give him an inch of space. And I think you have to stay tight to him because he can just shoot from anywhere and he can, like with the free kick, like, <laughs> did anybody think he'd get it that close? He, he's, you have to be tied to him. And I, I don't think it was a mistake on the board. I think it was just referee got conned by a soft touch, basically. And I don't think it should reflect on Laporte in any way. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. Well, that was our Tottenham Hotspur review. We're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, a little bit something different. You're listening to the Topical City Podcast. Disagree with anything you've heard? Don't forget to let the Etty lads know at Topical City Pod on Twitter. And we're back. So we've just taken a look back at City's week, but this podcast isn't just about the Premier League table. We also focus on our very own Etihad's League table, where every pod we award are more likely take away points based on really shit points made by any of us, any good points made by any of us, predicting the team for the next game or goal scorers. And then we rank each other based on those points in a table each week. And one of the main parts where you can claim points is our weekly debate, where two of us duke it out on some topical subjects involving Manchester City. So today we've got two debate questions lined up to score some sweet, sweet points from. James and Cameron, are you ready? Ding, ding. No. Get ready to rumble. A little bit of Michael Buffer there. Right, and so the first question that we've got for today's debate is, is there a viable path for academy players into the first team at Manchester City Football Club? James, why don't you kick us off with this one? Right, okay. I'm just going to state straight off that the question you sent me did not say Manchester City Football Club in it. So half my points are based on that. Uh, But I'll I'll style it out anyway. Um, yeah. Wait, so what are you going to talk about <laughs> on you, this City podcast? You said, is there a viable path for academy players into the first team? And the very first team? Yeah, my argument is, <laughs> part of my argument is that City's youth system is basically a top-level university for producing talent, whether that be at City or somewhere else. And the amount of talented kids, like the cream of the crop that we've got, cannot we cannot expect 
to get all of them in this team because someone like Foden has come in and he's going to be there now for 10, 15 years. How many exciting attacking midfielders are going to come through and they can't get a place because Phil Foden's there? That doesn't mean they can't go and be a leading Premier League attacking midfielder. There's just not enough space in the squad. So there is a viable path for academy players. It might just not be at Man City. However, if you want me to focus on City, I think yeah, there is... Please. A... Yeah, I suppose it's a City pod. Um, but I expect a point for that anyway. Yes, I, I, I do think there is a path into the team. I think it's shown in recent times with, with how Foden's getting minutes, how Garcia was brought in and trusted, how players like Doyle um, and Howard Bellis are getting minutes in the cup. I think there's players being brought into the training sessions that they feel are ready to step up to the level and they actually rotate that. So they're getting time with the first team and there's been elements of, is this better than them going out on loan? And especially it was the case for Phil. Uh, by all accounts, it seems that that has changed a little bit and they are trusting the loan system a little bit more. So this path to the first team doesn't necessarily have to be a player's come from the youth team to the reserves to the first team. It can be that they're a youth player and they go out and they sort of learn their craft elsewhere and then eventually come back into the first team. An example of that, it didn't work due to the system, is uh, Angelino. And he was a youth player. He went away. He became a good quality player in a top European league. And then we had him come back. And it might be that these loans and also these transfer deals with buyback options are all part of the process of these academy players getting to the required level so that they stand a chance within this City first team. There's a much bigger plan at play here. And I think we're just going to see more and more of it now rather than us throwing 50, 60 million at a squad player. It's going to start coming internally with the top quality players we've got coming through. Follow that, Cam. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> um, can, I, can I clarify, when we say academy players... Does this mean we buy a 20-year-old and he sits in the academy for a year and then, you know, comes up? Or is it academy players like they, they've been with us since they were young? And Well, we allowed James a bit of um, creative license interpretation with how he read the question. So if you, you want a bit of creative license with that as well, I'm all for it, mate. Can you name me anybody other than Foden and Garcia who's had an extended run in the first team in the last five years that Pep Guardiola has been at this club? from the academy. you asking me? Yeah. Well, it's about times changing, isn't it? That Pep well, he's been here for nigh on five years now. We've had Foden, who's only recently, last couple of years, getting into the first team. Garcia, who, yeah, maybe would, would be in the first team, but was he not heading off to Barcelona whenever he's heading off to Barcelona? Every other youth player that we've got uh, is, is currently... Cup fodder, and not even then. We, we played Swansea and Tommy Dodd didn't come on until the 70th minute um, when you would expect us to be playing in, in games like that. Um, we we just don't have that path and that, that's why you see people like Jaden Sancho decide enough is enough. People like Graf decide that he, he'd like to play his trade in Germany as well. People just consistently who are touted as the next big thing in the City Academy deciding that they don't see a path to play in the first team. And yeah, you, you could say those, those players were a bit too big for their boots uh, and, and their personality has led them to, to going off and 
doing things in other places. But you could also say that city propaganda saying that they're on their way out anyway. They were a bad influence. Um, you never hear anything about Sancho being a bad influence at Dortmund. You never hear anything about uh, any of the other players that have moved away being a bad influence. I think it's just there isn't that room because, as James always likes to say, Pep values seniority. Uh, and he plays his senior players. Foden's an outlier. Garcia maybe would have played if he'd stayed. You never see anybody else. And Angelino is a very poor example because he left, came back, left again, came back, left again, and got about six first-team games out of it. Uh, and now after in- the first team, though. You never said they have to be a consistent first-team player. There was a path there, and he became a first-team player. He didn't work in the system, and he left because of so it. So if I went walked to the front door of the academy and managed to blag a minute of game time, I'm, I'm what? Path no, it's academy. not a minute of game time. He was classed as a, as a member of the squad. He, he wasn't a youth player getting the odd minute. He came, I don't think any City player is sat here going, God, I can't wait for those youth players to come through the ranks and sit on the, not even the bench take up a spot on the outside of our terrible circular dressing room and uh, never get involved with a game. Nobody wants to see that. That's not a path to the first team. That, that's a path to a comfier chair in a bigger dressing room. I think the other thing to consider with this is that Pep's put his stamp on the first team and he'll have done that through his coaches at all the other age levels as well. So the youth players that were coming through in the first couple of years of Pep's reign might not have been Pep-type players. But as we see now, the likes of Garcia coming through, the, and especially people like Bernabe, like he's not good enough quality, but you can see the type of player that he is. That's the sort of the little Spanish trickery um, vision passing the Barcelona-esque model that you're going to see more of that coming through the ranks now, especially seeing as we poach half the youth players from Barca nowadays. Um <laughs> I, th- I think you'll see a big change in that. Pep was working with players that probably weren't his type. Sorry, let me rephrase that. He had youth players coming through that probably weren't his type of youth players at that point. They're specifically recruiting these kids with the first team in mind or with a certain system play in mind so that they can play fluid and they can play in multiple positions and they have the intelligence to receive the ball and work with it rather than being Burnley fodder like we might have done in the past. This is currently coulda, woulda, shoulda. It's it's the future. It's not, there's no evidence to that, though. We, we've had him for five years and we've had two youth players come through. There's there's uh, One of them's going. There's nothing empirically to say. The question is not, will there be a viable path for academy players once we have a lot of PEP players? It's, is there a viable path? And there isn't. We, there's no evidence to say that there is. So uh, well, I'll call this in a second. But before I do, I just want to ask one question for James there. So if Pep leaves in two years when his contract finishes, do you think then that a new, under a new manager there is going to be a, a more viable path for players into City's first team? I think the big issue we have is the expectations that are put on City managers now. You know, Pep had to come in and he had to win. Maybe, so that's a no. <laughs> well, no, it depends who the manager is, doesn't it? But I think there is, there is a pressure that the next person would come in and it's they've got to fill Pep's boots. But I also think that the style of play that City have, it might have initiated with Pep, but I think it'll stay once he's gone. And I think they'll bring in managers of a similar ilk. 
um, in the same way that when when there was talk of him maybe not signing a new deal, we were linked with uh, Nagelsmann or Rose, who's gone to Dortmund today, even Arteta, Pochettino, these type of managers that would would sort of still fit in with that system. It might be that they do favour the youth a bit more and it might be that City rely less on buying massive £50 million signings. And then if you look as well at the, the CFG group, there's a reason to buying players up for these clubs, firstly to get around Brexit, but the fact that there's a pool of players there that they can pick from and pull in. They're going to Well, not, not in all cases. In most cases, yeah, but not in all cases. If there's someone good enough, they'll bring them through. A viable path is, is a well-trodden path. It's a path that is viable to take. And it's currently that path that you see in those gifts where it's bars sticking out of the side of a mountain where you've got to really have the balls to get into that team. And we've only had Phil Foden really do it. Well, that's answered like, the question, like a doesn't it? trail. <laughs> that, that's answered the question. Is there a viable path? Yes, because Phil Foden did it. That he's an absolute. Give me the points, Richard. I think that the best <laughs> argument for there being a viable path was Phil Foden, and it took us a long, long time to, to get there, well, really. I thought you'd have had me uh, written off with that. <laughs> right, well, I, I think I've made my mind up on this. Uh, so we'll call the debate there. Well done, guys. There, there was some um, really good points back and forward, although I don't think it's going to reflect out <laughs> in the way that I score this. But I am a very amenable chap, so if you want to dispute uh, any of the pluses or minuses that I hand out for this, then by all means, please do. But I think that the winner of the debate is Cameron. I think that he made a a more coherent argument there. And to be honest, I know that it was your interpretation of the question, James, but I think that you made a more coherent argument for there being a viable path out of Manchester City rather than to the first team. So I think you did yourself a bit of a disservice (laughs) there, which is why I was going to dock you a point. Um, and also, <laughs> you, you said that we'd have um, that the players in the youth team might not be peptide players, but the entire CFG structure is kind of built around us playing the specific type of football that would suit the city team. But I won't deduct your point for that because to explain to the listeners, we do have a key phrase mm-hmm. in each debate that if somebody uses or says something similar to, they get docked a point for it. And unfortunately, James, no, oh, no, James, you oh, fell thank short God. on this as well. <laughs> <laughs> when you said that it's the cream of the crop, uh, like for, like academy team, I, I had that or something very similar to it, like best in the world or second to none. Because at the end of the day, I do think that the academy should be judged not on the facilities necessarily, but how many youth team players get brought through, even at a club as good as Manchester City. So... That was the phrase that deducted you a point there. So is that fair, do you reckon? I've got so far yes, plus one right. for Cameron and minus two for James off the oh, back of that. Yeah. Is that fair sounds or do I need fair. to revise that a little bit? No, no, it sounds incredibly fair to me. I think it's completely out of order. I think um, I'm going to argue a point back for myself at least because yeah, go for it. I made it pretty clear before and I completely agree with Cam as well so I didn't believe anything that I was saying there <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think I no, I did believe some of it but I think I made a decent enough argument there for something that I didn't necessarily believe in to at least get a one point back off that I think if you'd you have gone in harder on Phil Foden I'd have uh, I'd have possibly agreed with that there but 
Yoshi unfortunately, Uwe I'm going to stick with my. Uh, Yoshi Wei. I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> well, you know what, James? <laughs> you it might not even come to that because you have a perfect opportunity to redeem yourself here because we've got a second debate question that we're going to get underway well, with now. In two weeks, you could get your sweet revenge. <laughs> <laughs> the second debate question that we've got today for this pod is as follows. Does Manchester City, do they still need a squad overhaul? As many people were suggesting only around two months ago, earlier this season. Cameron, do you want to go first this time? I, uh, I do not think that City need a squad overhaul, as many have suggested earlier in the season. An overhaul is, is what something the likes of Tottenham need, where you have hit a stagnant point and you can't do anything with the group of players that you've got anymore. Uh, an overhaul is, is panic buying four players to better your league position. And you can't better our league position currently. We are top with seven points clear with a game in hand. Um, does the, the club need a couple of sides? Yes. But it doesn't need a squad overhaul. We need a striker. We need, I was going to say a left back, but maybe Alex Zinchenko has been playing people off the park at the moment. Uh, he had son in his back pocket all, all the Spurs game. Um, so, no, we don't, we don't need a squad overhaul. We just need a couple of players um, to keep us ticking over. We might need one in a few years uh, when the core again ages, like it did with Silver Aguero, company Fernandinho. But right now, um, the squad's fine. We just need a couple of signings. What do you reckon to that, James? Big overhaul or not? So I think when we talk about an overhaul, it's moving players out as well. So like Cam said, oh, we need a couple of signings in. I think we need more than that. I think we need the signings in, but we also need to move some players on. And this will all come down to your interpretation of what an overhaul is. But I think that's the difference for me, rather than just saying, oh, we need another left back. It's about moving Mendy on. If we want to bring in the likes of, you know, we're talking about Haaland, Messi, people like that, players have got to go. So it's that whole process of bringing players through the other side as well. In the bigger picture, I think we need to take advantage of the situation we're in. Historically, when we were in the league, we have the worst sort of transfer window ever and we signed Scott Sinclair, etc. And maybe this is the time that we really take advantage of the situation. We can spend when a lot of the clubs around us can't. When the likes of Barca and Madrid are struggling for money, this is a time that we, we can really arm ourselves and concrete the position that we're in. Because let's face it, next season rocks up and the squads are virtually the same. Liverpool aren't going to look at us in fear because of what we did. They'll see it as an excuse that COVID happened, that Van Dijk got injured and they had all these injuries. And actually, pound for pound, when everyone's fit, they'll they'll fancy themselves. We need to knock them while we've got this chance and we need to stay on top. We need to replace some of the aging players, some of the players that we that need to be moved on. Imagine being a Liverpool player, seeing City storm this league this year and then bringing in Messi and Haaland. If Madrid could spend this year and bought Mbappe and Barca bought Haaland and then you're facing them in Champions League, there's not a level there that we can get to again with with these generational talents. We have to smash it this year and we have to be ruthless with moving some players out. There's You have to be very careful with squad harmony and to... That, that might lose me a point, to be honest. That might be <laughs> you have to be careful with squad harmony. In that. If you move too many players on, you, you're going to 
upset the apple cart a bit. We're currently breaking records in terms of consecutive games won. I can't see any world, unless we take an absolute nosedive towards the end of the season, I can't see any world where you want to move on three or four players. Because who knows what our touchstone is. We've got a set 11 that is working. We've got backups for most of those players, which is why I think shipping out four or five players to get in a couple of players isn't the way to go. We, we need to, when you win the league, which is what Liverpool did, when you win the league, you strengthen the squad. You don't change it. You, unless you get to a point where you do have that aging core that we had. You brought up, well, we have terrible windows. You bring up Scott Sinclair and that. That was 10 years ago, pal. <laughs> like, like it's, we're, we're not at the point where we've got the dead wood of the calibre of Adam Johnson and Scott Sinclair and Lauren Chave and all that sort of stuff. We, we, our dead wood is, is people who, although they don't work for us, are talented footballers that can come in like Benjamin Mendy, like... Um, you, you could even say Ake's dead wood because he's, he's no, currently no, no. fourth or fifth choice centre-back. Our dead wood is another team's absolute pride and joy. And to disrupt a squad by completely whacking out a load of players to get a couple of players in seems very dangerous to me. And it seems like you're just going to have a load of players who don't know the system, who, who are just going to mess up a good thing. Um, and and your you points about Barcelona and Real Madrid and, and all these top teams that can't afford to spend. I, I don't think you're going to have any problem with people getting players in. People are going to start doing part payments. People are going to start doing easy bonuses. People are going to start getting players in that way. If Real Madrid want Mbappe, Real Madrid are going to get Kylian Mbappe. Um, and they've just got to work out a way to structure the deal where they can pay it out over five or six years rather than all in one lump sum. Um, so... I just think to upset a squad in that way that is currently breaking records, that is currently top of the league, that is currently looking like they're not going to get catched, catched, caught. Um, Minus point there. Oh. Yeah, get, get rid of oh, it. I'll accept that. Um, they're going to get, they're just not going to get caught and are very unlikely to get caught. To James, do you have a quick counter to that point, mate? Yeah. History shows that when a team wins the league, that they don't often win it a second time. We were the exception in recent times. And actually strengthening the team can help keep it fresh and keep players hungry. For players that have won it the previous year, it kind of shows they don't have the same hunger to go and do it again. You say that with players that won't know the system, Messi knows Pep's system. I think we'll be all right there. I think you've made a rod for your own back by uh, bringing Mendy up there because we're weak in that position and we need someone solid in there. This overhaul is going to make us into the dominant force for the foreseeable future. It needs to happen now. It should have happened properly this summer, but summer gone. It's got. It's going to happen this summer. We that was we, right, guys. I think that um, that pretty much sums up both arguments for the debate. Honestly, that was really good. Good points made on both sides. Nobody's losing any points for any disagreeable points there. Um, I do disagree with Cameron that Real wouldn't get could get Mbappe if they wanted. I think that those La Liga clubs are in the point where, where their accounts are that much in the shitter. I do agree with James's point about if we were going to buy those players, now's the time. 
And it's probably just that one point that edged it towards James, because I do feel like you both like really argued your, your points well. So uh, nobody's losing any points there, but James is going to gain a point for, for winning that debate, I think. Congrats on your minus one overall, Jed. <laughs> and nobody said the, uh, the secret phrase. Sorry, just to interrupt that. I thought Cameron got docked a point for saying a word incorrectly. And he said he'd take it. Just, uh, not, uh, that was on I'm the recording. Like that, just, just uh, yeah. I am. Well, unless he had it out. You know, <laughs> well, <laughs> by, by all means, you can overrule me two to one if you like. So, Cam, you, you said <laughs> no, you I think I'll be all right. I think, I think it's fine. <laughs> I, think, I think we'll move on. <laughs> right. That was, a, that was a good debate, guys. And, and like what I said, was the Cam, you argued word? that point really, really well. What was the phrase? The, uh, the phrase on that was very specifically um, about... Gabriel Jesus be, still being young and could develop. So I was going to steer the debate in the direction of like the strikers, because I think that that's the point that if we were talking overhaul, which to me does mean players out and new players in, I was going to try and steer it towards there about bringing up Gabriel Jesus. But you were both making such good points that I didn't really need to, to move us on to that, to be honest. So. Yeah, nobody, uh, nobody lost points in that. So that leads us to the conclusion of that debate. Cameron is on plus one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for winning that debate, and James is on minus one for losing the debate and saying something stupid. <laughs> Which I bet we listen back to this, and it's like it wasn't that. It was a really good point actually, and I'll probably end up losing a point. I'll take back so, points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They, I, I think retrospective points can be a thing if because uh, <laughs> the host isn't normally going to gain or lose any points during this. So if, I think if you if, guys feel the need. If the host is fucked up next week, the host can lose points. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. So that's the end of the debate portion of the show. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to preview the upcoming Everton game. We may be fans of the best team in the land and all the world, but sometimes life isn't always great for everyone. You can make life a little bit better for someone else by donating to your local food bank. Visit MCFC Food Bank on Twitter for more information and for their GoFundMe link. And we're back and we're going to do a last quick segment here on the preview for the Everton game this coming Wednesday, the 17th. So currently Everton are seventh in the Premier League table. They're three points off the top four, although West Ham are currently playing as we speak. So I'm not sure that's an updated table or not. But Everton have had a mixed bag of results lately, losing 2-0 to Fulham just the other day on Sunday. What do we think of Everton this season, guys? I watched the highlights of that Fulham game and they were terrible. Like it did, obviously it's just the highlights, but it, it, every single highlight was basically Fulham. Um, and if you, I know Fulham are on a tiny bit of a resurgence at the minute. Um, they're doing well, but it, it just, they don't look great. But at the same time, they've got good players. They've got players who can change a game like James Rodriguez and that. Um, but, it's hard to, to be too scared of them. They've only won one in the last five uh, in the Premier League. So I think we're pretty smooth sailing to it. I'm more worried about Arsenal. 
they're a strange one, aren't they? Because historically, they've always felt like a bogey team. Maybe that's faded away a little bit now over the last few games I've played. It must be so frustrating. I know a couple of Everton fans, and it's, it must be so frustrating because you keep getting these false dawns of they've got Ancelotti in, they've suddenly got you know a top striker like Lukaku back in the day or Calvert-Lewin now, or they've signed James. And there's all these things that are kind of pointing them towards finally having that bit of success. And they're just not consistent enough, or they're not good enough. I don't quite know what it is, but it seems like they're just destined to be in that obscurity of not quite getting where they need to be. It is mad, isn't it? They've got a team that should be challenging. Yeah, yeah. Them. And, and don't get me wrong, they are they are in the top seven. They are challenging, but it just feels like they should be doing better. <laughs> and they just—I know we're in a condensed season and everything, but it literally feels like I was watching a, one of their games about three weeks ago or so, and seeing the likes of like Hammers and Rich Allison and like Calvert Lewin really like bossing the games. Do you reckon that it all started going downhill for Everton? after they called City out quite wrongly about the delay in this game because of COVID. We got Yaya Torre's agent to put a curse on him. <laughs> I, I like Everton and I don't mind them doing well and I, I'd like them to do well over a lot of other teams in the top 10 currently. Um, but you just don't see it happening, do you? And I, you can't see anything other than a win on Wednesday. I was going to say, I hope they're not... Um... I hope they're not relying on that famous new stadium bounce like City got back. I mean, in the it's day. worth for West Ham five <laughs> years later, hasn't it? <laughs> now that there's no fans, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they can't watch the game from about like yeah, 100 yards West back Ham from fans. the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so each of us have done a predicted 11 for the game. Um, and then in the next pod, we'll kind of go through and see who scored points based on like the players and everything. Uh, James, do you want to go first, mate, and just say who you've picked in the back line for this one? Uh, Edison in there, obviously. And then I've gone for Diaz and Stones at centre-back. I think Diaz will come back in. Uh, Walker will get a game. Rest Cancelo, save him for Arsenal. And Zinchenko's got to carry on because the boy's playing out of his skin at the minute. Uh, I'm in full agreement with James on the back line. Um, I think Richarlison currently, I think, from what I've seen, is playing left. Um, so I think you need somebody strong and somebody quick. So Walker's dead set on that. Um, I think you've got to have the best centre-back pairing we've got against Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison feeding balls. Uh, not Richarlison, uh, Rodriguez um, feeding balls through. Um, and then, yeah, just Zinchenko's playing out of his skin, so why drop him? Everton really must be a misbag because we've just been trashing yeah. them for like five minutes straight and then go like, They've we got need those our best back three line. forward <laughs> players. That's the thing. Like the rest of them shy and I've no, no doubt that we'll score. But they've got those three forward players that can turn again. Also, to call back to the first segment when I asked you both, has Laporte done anything to like lose his place in the side? You both said no, but then neither of you chose him for the I game. Think- what I took that to mean was, has Laporte done anything to put him back out in the cold? Yeah, yeah not, I agree. Not has that done anything to make sure Laporte starts over our current top two centre-backs. I think a while ago, I would have said Laporte would start for rotation, but Pep's just picking the same players quite often at the minute, so that's why I've gone with the strongest two, because I think they'll play against Arsenal as well, so I've just kept it with that. Sorry, I was going to say, the only left-field thing would be if he put Laporte in a left-back again. I did think about that, but I thought that that might be an option that he uses against Arsenal. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like their forward line might be a little bit more threatening than Everton's, and that might be something that you need to do. But I reckon Laporte keeps his place in the side for this one. I've gone for, obviously, Edison Walker at right back because I still really rate him. And Diaz and Laporte as the defensive central partnership. I just think that you're going to be wanting to monitor Stones' game time ahead of some really important games like against Arsenal. And then we've got the Champions League coming back up. So this is one, I know it's against his old club, but I reckon this is one that he can afford to miss. And then Shinchenko in at left back for me as well. Eddie would be fine. Uh, yeah, uh, Those three centre-backs I'm happy with, so they could put him in any configuration for me. I just don't see, I don't see Laporte playing when Zinchenko... Like he's, he's literally faced one of the deadliest wingers in the league last game and, and absolutely kept him quiet. So um, I, I've not got no worries uh, that Zinchenko will play a couple more games in a row. Yeah, definitely. I don't think we've spoken enough about how good Zinchenko has been recently, so we'll do that again soon. And then we've essentially, we've all chosen the same midfield three for this one. Do you want to run through that, James? Yeah, I think it kind of picks itself with Kevin you know, Fernandinho was a doubt, isn't he? And then obviously Gundo went off in the last game. So really, if he's not fit, which I hope he is because I triple captained him on my fantasy football, so I could really do those <laughs> points. Um, it's got to be Rodri, Silva and Foden, surely. Yeah, yeah, that's I, what I, I've gone for as well. We've all gone for that, haven't we? Um, I want to put in a, a a buy where if Gundo's fit, I think he'll play. But if it does turn out, yeah. he is in. Yeah, same, yeah. I've been saying for a bit, though, I think that like Bernardo and Gundogan have been really ran into the ground in Kev's absence. Like They've both started games like repeatedly, game after game after game. And I wasn't surprised to find out that Gundogan had been taken off against Tottenham because I just feel like a game was coming up when they needed a break anyway. So I do think one of them is overdue a rest. And if you lose one, you can't afford to lose another at the minute. I think Bernardo brings so much with his industry and pace in the centre of the pitch that he won't miss out and Gundogan's likely to get a break. So yeah, I've gone with Rodri Foden uh, and Bernardo there as well. So with Foden in midfield, that does open up a space in the forward line. Camu, have you gone with for this one? Uh, yeah, I've gone with Mares, Torres, and Jesus. Um, I don't think Mares has started in the last couple of games. Torres is more of a a wish than I actually think he will start. I think it's probably going to be Sterling. There is an outside chance Sergio gets a start, maybe. No, maybe. I would like it. I reckon it's it's minutes off the bench for me if if yeah, he does probably. get any time. It would be nice to see though, uh, especially after so long, but. Yeah, I just think Jesus comes back in, Mares gets a start, and hopefully Ferran Torres gets a start, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was Sterling instead. So I've gone with Mares too, um, but the other ones I've gone with are Sterling and Torres, just because I think that he said in the past, Guardiola, that Sterling doesn't need much time out of the team. Like He can pretty much just keep carrying on. And then I reckon that Torres plays down the centre of this one because Jesus got 90 minutes against Spurs. Uh, what do you reckon, James? Uh, I've gone with Torres as well, but I've put uh, Jesus and Sterling in there. Nice to say we all think Torres will start. And like you say, I think it's wishful thinking and it's a bit of rotation before the big games. Um, it'll probably be Mares, but didn't didn't Mares start against Liverpool? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He likes playing him against the Scouts teams. Yeah. Um, Sterling seems to have hit a good vein of form again, so I think he'll continue. 
Jesus, he's got to get his minutes while he can before Serge is back. Um, and like I say, that, that kind of leaves that space for Torres to come in, hopefully, and just get a bit of a run before there's not much option and the big, you know, the big matches are coming up. Are we in agreement that if Gundo is fit, it'll probably be Foden instead of Torres yeah. for all of us? Or do you yeah. think he'll play somebody else? No, I agree with that. Or do you think he won't play if Gundo's fit? I reckon now I think Gundo doesn't play regardless. I don't I think that even if he is fit, he might start on the bench. I reckon that him going off there, like I said, the him or Bernardo are well overdue a break. So um yeah, yeah, I, I reckon Gundo doesn't start at all. So that's definitely a hill to die on <laughs> points wise. <laughs> Before we move on, do you want a cheeky little um points about on whether Aguero will get minutes and how many he'd get? <laughs> Yeah, I'm willing to take that bet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, go on. What do you so think? So he, he doesn't come on at all and he gets none. <laughs> I was, okay. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> all right. I, I'm going to say he gets 10 minutes at the end of the game. Fair play. Well, no. better point. Exa- Fair enough. Exactly 10 minutes, yeah? There or thereabouts. And for every minute that you're off, you lose a point. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll, we've, that's our predicted 11. I'm sure that's a massive clusterfuck there and, and no one can really follow like <laughs> picks from each. So you can go and follow us at uh, Topical City Pod and we'll, yeah, we'll each put, put our predicted 20. team up there, yeah. Uh, but we're also going to pick our predicted goal scorer. So another hill to die on here. Cam, who do you reckon gets a goal in this one? And feel oh, free to, to pick as many as you like. Bad to double down on Aguero, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Mares is due one, right? Who's he, who's he up against for that left side? Dinier. Oh no, I don't know about that. Um, I'll go. I'm feeling Bernardo. I'm going Bernardo. Ooh, go on then, James. You go next, mate. I might. I need to rethink if Cam's dibs in Bernardo. Oh, about Gabby, isn't it? Jesus, he's got Aguero breathing down his neck now. What's going to happen? Nice. Uh, I'm going to go for, you see, it's difficult. I want to say Torres, but out of the three that I've chosen at the front, I think he's probably the, the if there was an outside chance, one of them doesn't start, it's him. But I'm not, I'm, fuck it, I'm not going to play it safe. I'm going Torres picks up his returning goal to the first team and uh, picks up one here against Everton. So that leads us on to our predicted score. I'm going for a big City win here. Full of confidence, and I'm going to say that we beat them 4 0. Uh, I was going to go 3 0, and I was going to go 2 0. So that works out quite well. This forward yeah, line yeah. that I'm so scared of. Uh, <laughs> none of us think they'll score. Do you guys find that if you pick like a, a low scoring or a lowish scoring thing like 1 0 or 2 0, and then City go up, do you are, you are you wishing them to go on and score again, or are you like, no, I want to be I th- right? I think I will be towards the end of the season when the points are getting more and more important in the Etihad's yeah. table. <laughs> uh, I might find myself doing high scores so I don't have to cheer against City. <laughs> we'll see how it goes, I guess. Really. Do you know, I thought that when you said about Aguero coming on, that obviously I can't wait to see him back on the pitch and it'll be a great moment when he comes on. But I'll be like, for fuck's sake, Cam's won some points from that. So I'm going to be like conflicted now. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I said 2-0 when we beat Burnley. And then obviously there was the Mares offside thing, and I was like, 
yes, and then sat down quickly and thought, like, oh, no, there's my score prediction. (laughs) (laughs) Came true in the end. So um, after Everton, we've got a game up against uh, Pep's protege, Mikel Arteta. Feels like this is somewhat like the 51st time they've gone against each other since Arteta left the club. We seem to play them every other month. How do you see this one going? I've gone 3 1. Yeah, to be honest, I, I might double down on with you there, James. I think I'll say 3 1 as well. Nice, nice. I'm going to go for 3 2. I think that they've, they've hit a good run of form recently, and I reckon that. They're going to be a bit more competition than they were the last time we played them. And for for Arsenal, I'm fully on the Aguero train, and I'm I'm, I'm going with an Aguero goal. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to pick a, a player for that one. I'm just going right. to well, coast. Pass for by now. on those sweet sweet points. <laughs> so at the end of this pod, we're looking at the Etihad's table, and it's Cameron sitting pretty at the top there on plus one. Oh, a whole one point, as many as Your one host... point. Your host today, Richard, and the average middle point of zero. And then James, unfortunately, undone by the host's pettiness and causing him to lose a point. James is now on minus one in the negative. What can you do to uh, overcome that next week, James? I genuinely might make it my mission to see how many minus points I can get. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just check, James? How how warm are your feet? You feeling all right this week? Yeah, I think it might have hampered my performance. Thank you, Jürgen. <laughs> Perfect. So what can we look forward to on the next pod? I'm not going to be doing the hosting for it. It's going to be one of you two guys. Is that what we yeah, can look who, forward to? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say exactly. <laughs> who, who wants to take up the mantle next week? I think it's me, right? Cam, yeah? Yeah. You're in the rotation. Yeah, I'll Perfect. do my best to eclipse you in every way. <laughs> Any hints on the debate that you're going to get lined up for us? No. To look forward to. No, no advance notice. <laughs> get them on the day <laughs> alright nice one guys and that has been the inaugural Topical City podcast is there anything else you guys want to discuss before we finish up I am for tea Point. I'm drinking it right now <laughs> Bailey. sweet, sweet. <laughs> set you both up for that one didn't I <laughs> alright guys thanks very much and I guess we'll see you next week Sunji bye bye, bye.